so glad to see you. Welcome to Watershed, a place where you can find freedom, friendship, and rest. Speaking of friendship, we're going to just stand together uh, and just greet the people around you, say good morning, and see how everybody is. All right, we just invite you this time to continue and worship with us uh, as we worship our God who is mighty and powerful.
Love is bound. 
I know you by a thousand names And you deserve every single one You've given me a million ways To be amazed at what you've done And I am lost in wonder At all you do I know you by a thousand names And I'll sing them back Sing them back So in Isaiah 9, the prophet says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This next song is going to talk about living in that darkness. But it's also going to say we were waiting, we didn't have hope, until from heaven Jesus came. John 8 fulfills that. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he told them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Praise the Father. Praise 
stone was moved for good for the lamb had conquered death and the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to their father invite the children to come and meet Miss Lori in the corner through third grade. So kids through third grade, come on up. What's up, friends? Hi, hi. Oh, you saw me at the door. And now I'm at this door. Don't worry, I'm not going to go out another door in just a minute. I'll stay here. Hi, everybody. You doing good? Did you know what time is it in Holland? Almost. Almost. May. We're in May. Hooray, right? We're closer to summer. Tulip time, right? It's coming. You get to be in the parade. How many of you get to be in the parade? Yeah, a lot of you are going to get to be in the parade. Isn't that fun? All right. Well, why don't I pray for us before you go off into children's ministry, okay? Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your love for us. And as we're going to hear today about how you, you hold us and you've rescued us. And I pray, Lord, for my, my friends here. Uh, Lord, my little friends, I pray that you would just show them more of yourself, Jesus. That they would know more of your love and your life. That they would see how much they matter to you. Lord, bless our teachers as they lead them. And uh, Lord, again, continue to help us all grow in the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. amen. All right. <laughs> I, now I got to work. Yeah. <laughs> Lori, we're getting, to the, we're getting to the time now where it gets harder to get up. I don't <laughs> well, morning, everybody. Good to see you. If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Aaron. I'm campus pastor here at Watershed. So uh, as always, it's good to be able to worship together uh, this Sunday morning. A couple of announcements just for a heads up before we pray again. Just a reminder, if you're interested in connecting, uh, you can text the word CONNECT to 616-202-1210. Um, then you can, there's a small little form that you, you fill out, but that's an easy way for you to be able to connect. Um, if you have any prayer requests, it's another way that you can get prayers to us. Text PRAY to that number. Again, 616-202-1210. Um, it's also an easy way if you're wanting to contribute and give to the mission, the work of, of God's people here. Uh, you can text GIVE uh, to that number. But speaking of connection, last week and this week, you saw uh, my wife, Kendra, and Kelly DeGroote. Um, and let me put their lovely faces up on the screen. Then I won't have them stand up and come up in front and embarrass them. But <laughs> uh, women's ministry, there's a lot of events happening if you're interested. Um, I believe there are some more of these flyers out and available with dates and opportunities to connect um, as women 
around the word, uh, connect, and just have a good time. So just wanted to draw your attention. If you're seeing Kendra and Kelly out there kind of over the last couple weeks, um, handing these out, making some connections in that way, I want to draw your attention to that. So if you will, though, uh, let's again go to our God in prayer this morning. God, we thank you. We praise you that you are Father. You're the Son. You're the Spirit. You're this Trinity. You're fully God. That you have created the world. You love this world. You have rescued this world. You have rescued us. And you've not only rescued us, Lord, but today we're going to hear again, God, that in that rescue, you continue to hold us. And this is the good news. That you're not a God who is far away. You're not a God who is distant from us. But you're a God who is deeply involved in our lives. You're holding our lives together. Even when we may feel like we're not holding it together all so well. Father, for those of us this morning that are are struggling, whether it's a disconnected relationship and intentions, maybe it's loss of a loved one, maybe it's the loss of our health, or someone we know that is really struggling and we don't know what to do. God, when we continue to see that, continues to be a fight between Ukraine and Russia and people continue to be displaced and we hear that on the news and and sometimes now, Lord, it's been going on for a while where it's easy for us to separate from that. When we see shootings that take place in cities and even in our own community near us, or these things can weigh us down and they can shroud, as, as, as Matt shared earlier, we feel like we're walking in darkness. Not just the darkness of our own mistakes and missteps, regrets, Lord, but sometimes the darkness of what others are doing and, and, and it just looms. And so we, we try to escape from it. We try to get away from it, but Lord, it just seems to follow. So again, Lord, thank you that we can come to you with, with those challenges. We can come to you with our questions. We can come to you with our doubts. We can come to you with our wonderings. We can come to you even with our our anger and frustration that you can actually handle us being mad at you, even though you may have nothing to do with it. But Lord, even though you may not be responsible for it, you choose to take on the weight of that. You choose to continue to be present with us and hold us and keep breathing your life into us. You you continue to keep us going even though we feel like we can't. God, we also thank you this morning that you're a God of joy. You're a God of good things. You're a God of creation going from winter into spring. Of trees budding, flowers coming up out of the ground. Even in this community, tulips making their way out. Lord, you're a God that restores relationships. You mend broken hearts. You're a God who does heal through miracles and you're a God who heals through people who are gifted to put their hands in their minds and and join you in that work. You're a God who who blesses people with gifts to teach, to work with their hands, to utilize their minds, to give care and compassion through their hearts. Lord, you're a God who gives... People the ability to innovate and create new things to make life maybe a little bit easier where sin has tried to make it harder. And so in those things, God, we celebrate you because you're a light that has come and continues to come. God, this morning we pray that your light would shine through your word. We're told in your scriptures that your word never falls to the ground and that it actually returns to you, God. It it produces a fruit that it, it never comes back to you void. And so we trust that. We pray, God, that your word would encourage our hearts, that it might, um, if it challenges our minds, that it would reassure us that, that the challenge that is ahead of us, Lord, we don't step into that without you. You're there. You're already in front of us and you'll go behind us and you'll walk with us. So Lord, in not only encourage us, but if you need to challenge us, challenge us. And Lord, if, if there's some correction in our lives because you're trying to breathe life in and yet we're given way to something else, God, breathe that correction into us. Whatever it is that you need to do this morning, Lord, through your word, do it. 
And I pray that you would do that using me, Lord, in the words that I speak. But in that, Lord, may my words be yours, not my own. So, Father, we want to give way to your spirit for your wisdom, for your life this morning that we know is in Jesus. So speak now, Lord, for we, your children, are here listening. God, thank you that we can pray to you, we can talk to you, we can share these words with you. Thank you that you hear, you listen, and you're with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all God's children said, amen. Last week, we started a new series uh, in the letter, Paul's letter to the Colossians, and we're calling it Jesus, the Glory and Mystery of God. In this season that follows Easter, it's actually the Easter season, we're looking at this resurrected Jesus, this Jesus that motivates Paul to to want to, this, this follower of Jesus, to bring the good news of what Jesus has done into the world, and he believes it changes hearts and minds. Last week, uh, we started this letter to the Colossians, and, and Paul's imprisoned in Rome. And in this church in Colossae, which is in modern-day Turkey, uh, wasn't started by him. These are strangers to him, but a fellow co-worker in the gospel, uh, Epaphras, uh, came to meet him. He's responsible for starting this church, and he shared good news, and Paul was encouraged. And so he says to the Colossians, hey, I'm encouraged by your faith, your love, and your hope that is found in Jesus. You know, I'm just encouraged by you. I'm encouraged by good news. I'm encouraged that God in the gospel of Jesus has taken root in who you are. And then he proceeds to then encourage them, right? To stay in Christ, to let Christ continue to change their lives. And so he then offers them a prayer because he knows that our life can't change simply by our own good effort, Right? I can only do so much. At the end of the day, though, my life change, who I become, who I will be, truly, if it's going to be of God, will be of God. It'll be a work of the Spirit in us. And so as he now moves from that prayer, he knows from Epaphras that the church is facing a challenge. They're getting pressed on a couple different sides. And so what he wants to offer to him this morning and what we're going to see is what I'm going to put up here, some clarity. How many of you have gone to the eye doctor recently? Anyone? Yeah, so the last three weeks. um, I'm not going to be keeping these glasses for much longer um, because my uh, prescription has changed, right? And, And so over the last three weeks, you know what I've been trying to do is just simply see straight, okay? <laughs> like, um, I, I don't know how, but my right eye got a little better. Um, my, my, my reading, uh, you know, I'm not at bifocal, but I'm getting close, uh, you know, <laughs> so yep, yep, that's not a sign of anything at all. Uh, but I've been fighting this clarity battle, and at times it's actually, at, at the very beginning of this, three weeks ago, I, you, I had the eye pain, like any of you get that? Because you we're also altering contacts, so I didn't realize this, and I should have known this, but I didn't know that, you know, your contacts, your prescription is slightly different than your glass prescription because contacts are right on your eye and glasses are a little further away, so that's got to be tweaked, you know, and I'm in the midst, I'm like, I can't see real, just give me the old prescription. At least I knew what wasn't clear and I could go from there, right? It, a lack of clarity, I'll come off the rabbit trail. A lack of clarity, what does it do in our lives? Maybe a lack of clarity in our jobs, right? It doesn't allow us to have sometimes direction, does it? Or a clear understanding of what we're accountable to or for if we're not clear. If I'm not clear about what my friends expect from me, my family expects from me, I don't always know what to do, right? A lack of clarity can create pain, literally, can create a headache <laughs> figuratively. Clarity is incredibly important for us because when we do have clarity, right, we can see things like beauty. We can see things the way they're supposed to be. <laughs> Not like if I pull off my glasses this morning and see just a fog. No, you are not a bunch of individuals. You are just a mass of something. 
Right? Clarity gives us the ability to know where to go, what to do. We know what is right and what is not. Clarity is incredibly important. And so Paul, as he's encouraging the church and is encouraged by the church, also knows that what they're going to face needs an abundant clarity. Right? Absolute clarity on what is the most important thing. And that's the gospel. What is the truth of who Jesus is who he is to us, who he is for us, and who we are in him. And this morning, what we're going to read in these these few verses in Colossians 1, 15 to 23, we're going to see one of the most concise yet robust definitions of the gospel in the entirety of the scriptures. Right, if you could highlight some verses in your Bible, I don't always go, hey, listen, there are lots of verses you could highlight, but I would say highlight these verses. Commit these verses to memory because this is the truth for us. This is putting on 2020 vision to understand what we believe, what we hold on to, and the one who's holding on to us so that we have clarity to face the world in which we live. We know how to walk. We can know what we're living into. So let's dive into what Paul says this morning. Let's hear God's good word for us. In Colossians, we, we go, uh, some of your books, if you're looking in the Bible, Right? This is that thin part, your perspective, right, on the right-hand side. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, if you're looking for it in your Bible. Colossians 1, starting in verse 15. Paul says this, The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. It's the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. Right? We're the church, we're his body, and he's the head of that body. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile, right? to reunite, to bring back together, to reconcile right? to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And he did this by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, we all were, that's the story we're a part of. That's what sin does. Once you were alienated from God, and you were enemies actually in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Now if you continue in your faith right there's a truth you're free from accusation you're without blemish if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel and here's where we can underline this is the gospel paul says this is the gospel that you heard and that's been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which i paul have become a servant This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we think about this gospel, Paul wants the Colossian church and for us to know a few things about Jesus. And first off, in this hymn, because that's what most people think this is, it's a song. Uh, It also could be seen as poetry. I don't know, I wasn't sitting with with Paul in prison while he was writing this. Maybe he was singing himself a song because, you know, prison is, I, I can think to myself that it's not a fun place to be. We'll just put it that way. I know sitting in a police car is not fun when you're not supposed to be. Okay? But I don't know what he's trying to do, but he, he, he is doing something in particular. Uh, whether he's singing, whether he's writing this poem, he, he's saying that Jesus, he's reminding himself as much as he's reminding the church, that Jesus is actually Lord God of all. We're talking that Jesus is divine. Jesus is not just merely a human who's come to earth, but he's Lord God of all. And why do we know this? How do we know this this morning? Because he starts off in verse 15 and says that Jesus is the image. 
He's the image of the invisible. Right? God the Father throughout Scripture, we don't know what God the Father looks like. God the Father is actually spirit. So it's kind of like the wind. You only see what the wind does. You never see the wind itself. Right? That's the Father. That's the Holy Spirit. But Jesus uniquely is the image of the invisible. The word in Greek is icon. How many of you have heard that word before? Right? Icon it means literally the artistic expression. So if you were to actually paint a picture of God, Jesus is the picture you would see. That's what Paul's saying as he is the image of the invisible. He goes on then to use another analogy and he says he's the firstborn over all. And we might say, well, Jesus was created, so that's what firstborn means, that he was created. But that's not what Paul is actually saying here. In their terms, when they were more familiar with kings, the firstborn, he's talking about a status. The firstborn is the prince, the first one who is entitled to the entirety of the kingdom. So as firstborn over all, the prince is kind of second in charge, but not. Because like one day, it's all his. So when you talk to the prince, you're kind of talking to the king. And, and, And we know this with Jesus as he always places himself as son in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He always places himself as as one who serves his father. He's that firstborn. And and Paul is actually grabbing some images from Psalm 2 here. And he says, this is what Jesus is. He's entitled to the entirety of the kingdom. So not only is he the best representation of a God you can't see, he's also the heir to everything. He's entitled to this kingdom. So just as this kingdom is the Father's, so it is Jesus's. He goes on to say this. He's also before all things. And the word for before here, because we'll see in English before in a couple different ways, but this word in particular that Paul uses is, he's first in line. Guess what? No cutsies. You can try and cut all you want after first in line, but first in line is his, and if you try to cut, he'll just kind of move you out the way, (laughs) right? It's like some of you are teachers. You know that game, right? And you're like, no, sorry, you're not first today. Right? We, we, we can almost get that sometimes at, at prayer time for our kids. Right? So, okay, we can't have everybody opening the door today. Right? But Jesus is Lord God of all is first in line, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not. Paul says, this is the reality. This is the gospel. This is what's true. He then goes on to use the image of the head of a body. How good would we be without a head? Just FYI. Just wondering, any, anybody? Yeah, yeah. Makes all kinds of sense, doesn't it? <laughs> now we need our ticker, right? We need the heart to work. <laughs> but the head, what do we think of as it's controlling, right? We take our cues from our brain. Our brain is constantly sending singles, signals to my hands because I use my hands a lot, right? So my brain is always working on overdrive as I preach on Sunday morning. Right? It's also telling me to use words. It's also continuing to fire my heart, make sure that my heart is triggering, triggering the blood to move through. My nerves are constantly firing as well. Right, So Jesus is the head of the body. And then he goes on to say, he's, so that he might have supremacy in verse 18. Right, That he is above all. There is no one equal to him. Well, guess what? Whose place is that? It's God's. Paul's saying, just like we hear in Hebrews 1 verse 3, that the sun is the radiance of God's glory. Right? He's the exact representation of God. He is God. Verse 19, Paul writes, For God was pleased to have what? All of his fullness dwell in Jesus. So Jesus this morning is Lord God of all. But not only is he Lord God of all, as Paul's saying, this is the truth. I'm trying to bring clarity to what the gospel is. Jesus is Lord God of all as God, not as human, because sometimes we confuse this. It's a little challenging, right, to understand how Jesus, who was created, like in human form, could be there in the very beginning. Well, it wasn't Jesus in human form that was with God in the very beginning. It was Jesus as God who was with God in the very beginning. Ooh. 
Let that sit for a moment. Right? Jesus became a human when Mary gave birth to him. But before that, Jesus was also part of this God. Right? The one God. And because he was Lord God of all, he was also creator and sustainer of all. Paul writes that all things are created through Jesus in verse 16. That Jesus, as Lord God, was there in the very beginning. You and I have our breath, have our being today, have, have the different color hair that we have. And yes, some of it has changed colors throughout the years, right? Have, 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 have our faculties and our abilities, have our giftedness, right? God created us, but Jesus, who is Lord God of all, created you. You weren't an accident. You weren't happenstance. You were created with intentionality and purpose. You were created through him. But Paul says that's not just it. You were also created for him. As God, all of his creation is meant for him. Right? He delights in his creation. He wants his creation. He didn't, he didn't just create stuff so that he could just sit there and go, well, that's pretty. Right In the very beginning, in, in Genesis, we see in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, he invites Adam and Eve to participate in life with him, to enjoy community. He takes one of seven days to sit back and rest and just delight in what's been created. Right? We weren't just created through Jesus, we were created for him. To be in relationship with him. To work alongside of him. That is our redeemed purpose as much as our created purpose. And then Paul goes on to say, not only are you created through him and for him, but all things are held together in him. That today, our ability to move, to breathe, our ability to think, to listen, to eat a good old donut, sip on our coffee, our ability to reflect on the NFL draft, Right, All happens because of God's continual interaction in our life, his ongoing sustaining power. Actually, if we go back to Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says this, that Jesus, who is the exact representation of God, is sustaining all things by his powerful word. So the word of God that he spoke, because that's what God did, he spoke life into being, is the same word he's speaking to sustain to keep you going, to keep me going. That every time you do something of beauty, wonder, every time you're, you're able to put your mind to something that you, is your giftedness, or you, maybe sometimes we take some of that giftedness for granted, is God speaking a sustaining word, interacting in you, you participating with God and working in his world. Whether you think so or not, Paul's saying, this is the gospel, whether you believe it or whether you don't. It's the truth because God says so, not because I say so. One of the things that I love about this is so often we look at our neighbors or friends that maybe don't know Jesus, and then we think, oh, they're far away from Jesus. Any of you ever thought that way? I have. So let me give you some permission if you have, Okay. Like you're somehow distant from Jesus. Now you may be in terms of relational knowledge, right? In, in terms of going, yeah, I'm familiar with Jesus. You may be in that way, but you are never. No person is ever far away from Jesus. Because in him we live and move and have our being, as Paul writes in Acts 17. Jesus is sustaining every person who walks on the face of this earth. That's how much God cares about any one of us. He continues to hold us. He continues to keep us breathing. He continues to keep us walking. He continues to provide. That is a common grace of God in this world. And no person is far away from his love and his life. Praise God. So Paul says, Jesus is Lord God of all. He's the creator and sustainer of all, right? So this is this big God thing, right? Jesus is God. He's divine. But here's where we now see Paul make a shift, that Jesus isn't just divine. He's also a human being. He also came in flesh and blood. 
Jesus is the reconciler of all. As we were reading, you heard me stop and pause for a moment. I said, to make right, right? To bring together. It's to make things whole again. That's what reconciliation means. That which isn't the way we know it's supposed to be is made the way it's supposed to be again. Well, it's Jesus who reconciles, verse 20, all things to himself. That's what God has done. That as sin has broken that, as sin has tried to pull us away, as sin has tried to mess up God's creation, Jesus, in his life, in his actually becoming a person in humanity, taking on creation, takes creation back to God. It's one of the coolest things that when God decides to say, I'm not just going to be God in spirit anymore, but when I'm going to actually step into creation, take creation on and in myself, that when he returned back to God after he was resurrected and then he goes back to his throne, he goes back a fully human human. Now divine, he takes all of creation back with him into the one union of, G- of God himself. And I know I'm, I may be going deep this morning, like, but this is what Paul is. Paul says, this is the gospel. This is why I say highlight this because I don't know about you, I just continue to have my mind blown every time I read this passage. That in Jesus, in his humanity, in, 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 taking, in going into creation, he brings creation back into the presence of God and reunites us, reconciles us to a God who never created us to be apart from us, but created us to be with him. And how does he do it? Paul says this, he makes peace through his death. He makes shalom. He makes things whole through what he did on the cross. His blood shed for us accounts for all of the sin and brokenness of our lives. And not only do we have peace through his death, but we have new life through his resurrection. And remember where I said he was before all things. Again, here comes the word before again, but in a different way. He is now the new creation. That is, he is a firstborn of the dead. He's the first of a new creation. As much as he's God, the author of creation, he is also the author of new creation. That isn't me being the author, it's him. And it's Jesus who, the firstborn of the dead, brings us back to life and provides that life. For us. Now you can see why this is very concise and yet incredibly robust. One of the longest sentences Paul ever writes is actually in this, <laughs> in, in this first chapter of Colossians. But he's saying, if I want you to be clear about something, I want you to be clear about this, that Jesus is Lord God of all, creator and sustainer of all, and reconciles all things in him. And in any of it did it say, that's on you. No. So I want everybody at this very moment to take a big, deep breath. You can rest. That's a finished work of Jesus. When Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, that's what he did. We can be at peace. We can have rest, shalom, because of what he's done, not because of what you've done. In fact, often it's in the face of what we've done. It's in spite of what we've done. Sometimes it's in spite of who we feel we are. Because oftentimes we battle that shame, right? where I feel like I'm something less. It's not this, just that I did something wrong. I feel wrong. And Jesus says, no, not to me. Because I created you and I've loved you and I've held on to you and I'll continue to hold on to you. And I've got you in my life and, and, and I'm okay. I'm first in line whether you think I am or not. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, I'm first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. And by the way, I've brought you back to myself. So here's the question then this morning, what's our part then? What do you and I do? Well, it goes back to what Paul started the letter by saying. He said, I'm encouraged by your faith, your love, and your hope. 
that you've put your faith in this gospel, in the true gospel in Jesus. You're finding out who you are in him, not merely in yourselves. Maybe to get stay in this particular text, Paul says that we are what? No longer alienated from God. What's this mean for me? That I am not the truth of the reality of Jesus. I'm not apart from God. I'm not somewhere outside trying to make my way in. Actually, he lives in us. He holds us. He dwells within us. And I've just got to start believing that. I've got to let myself believe that. I have to let myself believe the objective truth, the reality of what is. I've got to let myself believe that that's what is for me. That you were once alienated, but you are no longer alienated. You are not an enemy of God. You're his loved child. And then what does he say? We're presented holy to God. And then he goes on to say, this is what holiness means, that you're, you're without blemish and free from accusation. Wow. Pause for a moment. You are in Christ without blemish. doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're going to do. As long as you remain in Christ before God, you are holy and without blemish. You are perfect in the eyes of God because of Jesus. And you are free from accusation on top of it. So nobody can even bring a charge. Satan's voice doesn't even have a say in the courtroom of God. We like to think Satan's got a say. We like to think everybody else does. But no, the only say in God's courtroom is Jesus. Why? Because he's divine. (laughs) And he's the son. In him we live and move and have our being. So not only are you not alienated, but you are presented holy before a perfect and holy God. And Paul says this, I just want you to continue in faith in this hope. Our job is to stay in this gospel. To remain in it. To let it be the story we tell ourselves. To put those glasses on. Part of the transition over the last few weeks has been letting my eyes adjust to the the things that are actually good for them. I don't like that. I want it now. Right? I want it now. It's so easy to do that. But it's staying in it long enough. It's letting it begin to speak to us. It's letting it have space in life, in our lives. If we don't give it space, it will never have the chance to take root. We put some tulips in in a vase yesterday that we thought might just be dead. But we had to give it time in the water. And as the night went on, these droopy tulips were going, oh, (laughs) right? But we remain in it. We listen to it as we hear. We, We dive into the scriptures. We pray this reality back to God. We pray that reality back to ourselves. Sometimes our prayers are telling ourselves as much the truth as we are talking with God. We're letting him have this say in our lives. Who he is for us, to us, and who we are to him. But Paul's reminder to the Colossians, and he says, I'm going to make this abundantly clear, is all I want you to do is stay in, keep these glasses on. That's your job. Keep the glasses of faith, of hope, of trust in what Jesus has done. And what Paul will say to the Philippians, what he'll bring to completion. Not only what he started, but what he'll bring to work. You keep trusting in him. You don't have to try to figure it all out yourself. Again, breathe. Says this is the gospel. Colossians 1, 23, last half of that. That's why you see the B sometime. If you don't know when you're ever looking at scripture passages, A, B, oftentimes it's the first half or second half of a particular verse. So Colossians 1, 23, B, we hear this. This is the gospel. Right? Everything we've just heard. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the proclamation. This is the announcement. Paul is sitting in jail waiting to face the Lord of the then-known world, Caesar. 
And Caesar liked to put out proclamations, and those were his good news and pronouncements. And Paul, while sitting in jail, says, no, sorry, I know a different Lord. I know one who creates. You're just a mere representation of the gods, but I know God himself. It's Jesus, and here's the real good news. He's a Jesus who has created you, who has formed you, who has loved you, and who has restored you. He's Lord of God. This is the gospel that you've heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the good news that not only we believe, but continues to be proclaimed throughout our community and throughout our world. This morning, my challenge is the same as Paul's. Stay in it. Hold on to it. And let the reality and truth of who Jesus is keep holding on to you. Let's pray. God, thank you for clarity. Thank you for the clarity of the gospel, the good news. God, help us to see both Jesus, how you were God, and how you were fully human. Help us Help our minds to comprehend some of what we just heard. Help it to marinate in us throughout this week. Lord, I've, I can't remember when I first heard this passage. I was probably the age of our little friends that I got to pray for earlier when I first heard it. And yet, now nearly 40 years later, I'm still amazed and astounded by who you are, what you continue to do, what you've done, and what you will do. And I'm continually amazed, God, that it isn't my work, it's not our work to accomplish, but we get to rest in what you have done. That's our work. That's what we strive for. That's what we contend for. Because that's going to be a hard enough work, Lord. We're going to hear that as this series goes on. To stay anchored in the truth. To be persistent in what we know to be true. So Lord, by your Spirit, help us to let these words echo through our minds and our hearts. Let these words continue to be the truth on which we stand. The cornerstone that is you, Jesus. The house is built upon. God, we need your help for that. But again, we say thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for who you are, who you will be. And thank you that in your sight, your perfect child, nothing more, nothing less. And that's good enough for you because you gave your child Jesus for us. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we honor you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As we respond to that good news with praise, we invite you to stand and sing with us, please. Imagine so great a mercy. What 
heart could fathom such boundless grace. The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living Lord. We sing hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. Broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise, your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe out of the about hope as believers in Christ, there's actually people who are in Christ. Our hope is not a whim or a wish. It is a reality. It's a reality anchored in what we just sang and what we just heard. A realized resurrection. Not only a resurrection, but a king who sits on a throne. And we are with him. It's a sure hope. It's a guarantee. So go with that guarantee this week that you are loved and rescued, that you have life and purpose, that the God who created you will hold you and sustain you. May not always give you what you want, but will certainly give you what you need for the moment. And that no matter what we face, you will never be apart from him. Go with that reality. Go with that truth. Be encouraged in the freedom and the rest 
friendship we have with him. See this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord smile upon you. You feel that smile and receive his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said, Amen. Go in peace.